0: Greetings, everyone. This is Pastor Mike. Thanks for joining me today. I'm here in my office with my Bible open to 1 Corinthians chapter 12, where it says in verses 12 and 13, The body is a unit, though it is made up of many parts, and though all its parts are many, they form one body. So it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one Spirit into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, slave or free, and we were all given the one Spirit to drink. Now, from time to time, I'll come across a person who'll say to me something like, I don't have a problem with Jesus. It's just the church I have a problem with. Or the church is just full of hypocrites. Or... I don't need organized religion. That's just something of man's creation. And from a human perspective, it almost sounds reasonable, logical. After all, the church is full of hypocrites. I've heard it said many times that if you ever find a perfect church, don't join it because you'll ruin it. But the Bible clearly reveals God's perspective. And God's perspective is not always in alignment with human arguments or thoughts. When that's the case, it's always on us to align our thinking with God's revealed truth. And what does God say? That he is into the church. God loves the church. Jesus died for the creation of the church. God has no other plan for revealing himself to a lost and dying world than through his church. That's what the Bible says. That's why the first paradigm of transformation is that the Holy Spirit working through the church is God's only plan for establishing and expanding the kingdom of God on earth until Christ returns. If you ever hear a preacher railing on the church, bringing judgment on the church, don't say amen. He's not accurately representing the heart of God. It would be like me saying to you, do you know what's wrong with your kids? Well, let me tell you. I'm not thinking you'd hear another word I said after that. You'd just be waiting for the chance to knock my head off. Now, don't get me wrong. There is a biblical way to confront sin in the church and to engage in church discipline when people in the church are in sin and rejecting the admonition to repent. However, we need to hear God's heart. God loves the church. Part of the measure of our spiritual growth as Christ's followers is learning to love what God loves. And God loves the church. Now, what is the church? The church isn't an organization. It's not a 501c3 or a religious institution or a building. It's an organism. Like verse 12 says, Just as a body, though one has many parts, but all of its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. So in the human body, there are many cells and organs and members that make up who I am. I'm one person made up of many parts. In the same way, the Church constituted as Christ's body, is one person, Christ. Yet now, Christ is being made up of many parts. How did this come into being? Verse 13 says, For we were all baptized by one Spirit, so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, and we were all given the one Spirit to drink. So how did we become Christ's body? It says that we were baptized into his body, that we were immersed when we became Christians. How? By the Spirit, it says. We were all given one Spirit. So, if the Spirit of God lives in me, I am part of Christ's body. By the Holy Spirit, I am connected to the head, and I'm connected to every other member of his body. Because it says that the body is a unit, That's why I can't say I'm into Jesus, but not the Church. Jesus is in the Church. I can't say to you as a person that I'm only going to relate to your head, but not your body. It doesn't work. It doesn't make any sense. I can't separate the two. At its essence, the body of Christ is the continuation of Christ's life on earth. When Jesus walked the earth, he expressed himself through a physical body. Today, By His own choice, Jesus still requires a body to express Himself. That body is the Church. The function and purpose of the body is to be the full expression of Christ on earth. Just as I cannot manifest the fullness of my personality through just one member, through my ear or just my mouth or my hand or my leg, Christ cannot manifest His character fully through just one member of his body, or one congregation, or all believers of one nationality. I equate God's character to a diamond. Imagine a large diamond. A diamond has many facets. As you turn it, you see the unique characteristics of each facet and how it reflects light differently and reveals itself in such a way as to enhance the overall beauty of the whole diamond while displaying its various unique characteristics. Likewise, each member of Christ's body is designed to draw attention to His beauty and reflect a facet of of God's glory. This is often where we as American Christians have our biggest struggle. We tend to think very individualistically. I'm just egotistical enough to think that I can express the fullness of Christ by myself. But the reality is, even if I am in full submission to the Lordship of Christ and walking in the Spirit in perfect alignment with the will of God, I will only express a small part of Christ in concert with others who are doing the same and expressing other parts. The fullness of Christ is expressed corporately through the Church. And each of us are ministers, and as ministers are uniquely created as part of his body, and designed and gifted to minister to the body and to the world in concert with the rest of the body. You see this amazing picture painted for us in Romans chapter 12. Here, Paul is giving in, in summary, the application to all he's been teaching on the work of the cross, the resurrection, the indwelling spirit, and how by faith we appropriate this work that God has done on our behalf. Often when we read Romans 12, we'll just take the first two verses and apply them to our lives as individuals, and that's okay. But the primary application of Romans 12 is not individual, but corporate. That becomes evident as we read the first six verses. It says, Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, His good, pleasing, and perfect will. For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment, In accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. For just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. Then Paul goes on to talk about the various gifts, which we'll get into in another episode. But can you see the big picture of what is being portrayed here in response to God's mercy, in response to all God has accomplished on our behalf by his grace? He says, offer your bodies to God together in worship. The tenses are all plural, not singular. Then he begins verse 2 by saying, don't be conformed to this world. He's saying that's no longer consistent with the nature of the one who lives in you. But be transformed by the renewing of your minds as you align your thinking with God's thinking, as you position yourselves to be partakers of and participants with God's divine nature. Again, you see this new reality of a people who worship God in spirit and in truth. Transformation is the authentic manifestation of Christ in us and through us by the power and presence of the Holy Spirit. As we experience this reality, then we'll be able to test and approve God's good and perfect will. Now verse 3 warns us not to think too highly of ourselves. What's he saying there? In the context of the passage, he's basically saying that I think too highly of myself if I think I can discern God's will outside the context of Christ's body. When it it becomes all about my ministry, or I'm fine just doing my own spiritual thing without any connection to other believers, I'm now thinking too highly of myself and shouldn't think that I'll be able to rightly discern God's will. Because you see, my finger or my knee doesn't have a separate will apart from the rest of my body only a separate function. That's why it says in verses 4 and 5, For just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. So to whom do you belong? We belong to Christ, and we belong to all the other members that make up his body. So when we divide or refuse to fellowship with other believers, whether that be in a congregation or the other believers that God has yoked us with in our city or in our community, then what that reveals is our loyalty to a distinctive rather than a people. It's to a certain way of worship or doing ministry or a certain theological distinctive. But this is not how God has ordered it. If that person belongs to Christ, if the same Holy Spirit that is in me is in them, then I belong to them, and they belong to me. We both possess a gift that is designed to build the other up and to reflect a different facet of the Lord to our community and to the world. As hard as it is to admit, it's just not all about me. It's all about Christ, who lives in us. Today, I pray that we would all catch God's vision for the church, for a people that have been purchased and set apart for a great purpose, to be his body and to display his glory on earth. Paul said it to the Colossians this way in Colossians chapter 1. Now I rejoice in what I am suffering for you, and I fill up in my flesh what is still lacking in regard to Christ's afflictions, For the sake of his body, which is the church, I have become its servant. It is the church's servant. By the commission God gave me to present to you the word of God in its fullness, the mystery that has been kept hidden from ages and generations, but is now disclosed to the Lord's people. To them, God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. He is the one we proclaim, admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom so that we may present everyone fully mature in Christ. To this end, I strenuously contend with all the energy Christ so powerfully works in me. Man, can you feel Paul's passion for the church? He would gladly suffer for the benefit of the church. And this is but a reflection of Christ's passion for the church. Christ is for the church, and it's the Holy Spirit in the church which is God's only plan for establishing and expanding his kingdom on this earth until he returns. What a privilege we have of being part of that body which he calls his own. Amen.